brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by Midday Squares. Have you ever tried a Midday Square? They are the first functional chocolate bar and they're making waves. They're vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and non-GMO. They have 6 grams of protein, 4 grams of fiber, and omega-3s. Most importantly, they kill hunger, fuel your brain, boost your mood, and all from natural energy. They're everything a chocolate bar isn't and everything a protein bar wishes it was. Use the code KELSEY15 at checkout to get 15% off today. Joel Rafiti. Did I say Rafiti correct? You absolutely did. God, nailing my life today. just wanted to acknowledge <laughs> that. Um, thank you so much for being on this show all the way over from Australia. It's, uh, it's the future right now. And uh, you're in it. Yeah. yeah. Things are still good tomorrow. Oh, good. Thank you so much, Australia. I really appreciate it. Considering coming from you, you never know what the answer is going to be. Mm. Mm. So mm. you, you, you're kind of a, you're a character in a good way. I mean that in like a real cool way. I mean that there's a lot of different um, facets to you. You're a chameleon. You really have taken on a lot of different roles um, yeah. as a human being, which I found awesome when I realized you had music on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Just tossing that out there. Um really great music too, but also you, you do a lot. Um, and I kind of found you, I think I found you, I follow, we follow some mutual people. And, mm -hmm. um, I think there were some individuals who had reposted your content and I found it quite inspiring and uplifting and also something that I wasn't seeing at the time, which was people willing to push the line in the limit over, um, what was being said during COVID but also mm -hmm. not coming at it from a negative stance, but coming at it from the point of view of, hey, why aren't we thinking for ourselves? Hey, why are we always just following what people tell us what to do? But you did it in a way that made people engage and think. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, follow this guy for a minute and then I'm going to have him on my show for sure. Thank you. So. I think you, you've you've nailed me pretty well with that. I am a I'm a bit of a chameleon. I do wear many different masks, and you know we all do. We're all multifaceted to to, to so many degrees. Um, and yeah, it's it's nice to be acknowledged in that way. So it's good to be here, Kelsey. Oh, wow. So you have a show, Rise mm -hmm. Above. Well, you have Rise Above the Herd, and then you have a show, and it's Here yep. for the Truth podcast. Yep. And I gotta say. They're both great. I haven't experienced the program, but from reading online about you, reading about your clients' um, responses and the more awakening of human that you're doing, you're really taking a lot of time to come up with quality, quality, quality lessons that help people's values and goals and have them look at, you know, a different side of themselves that maybe people wouldn't think to look at, like shadow work and, and deeper work. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about how someone like you becomes you, because this feels like this is a, a lifelong journey to get to this point. So what yeah. was it like for you as like a kid growing up? 
That's that's the that, that's the million dollar question for sure, and it has been a lifelong journey, and it's still a process that's process that's unfolding, and it will be forever. The work is absolutely never done. Um, as a kid growing up, I was someone who I guess would be considered someone that didn't listen very well, um, so to speak. I butted heads with the authorities around me quite a fair bit. Um, you know, I just wanted to do my own thing. The things that I don't care about, I don't care about. The things that I do care about, I do care about. If I'm not inspired by something, I'm not going to pretend that I am. And that's just always been me. And that was very, um, I guess, conflicting growing up in a culture and a society that wants to force to conform you and mold you into, you know, this the standardized version of what the perfect citizen is. Um I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. That didn't really bode well. Um, uh, my dad's my dad's born in Jerusalem, Palestine. My mom's Lebanese. They I'm first generation Australian. So there's a whole melting pot, um, so to so, so to speak, under the surface as well. Growing up, my dad, you know, tried to mold me just to take over the family business, work in construction, and you know that's kind of all I knew for a very long period of time. But it wasn't really until I discovered music. First and foremost, I started playing bass guitar. I fell in love with the bass. And that was the first time where I really felt inspired by something. I felt creative. I felt productive. I felt as though I was capable. And, you know, that's what I wanted to do. So that's what I kept doing. Then from there, I shifted more so into hip hop. And, you know, I guess I've always been considered gifted somewhat in a literary sense. Um, growing up, writing's always come easy to me. So I just started writing lyrics I wrote hundreds and hundreds of songs and that just really lit me up so I kept doing it you know um and uh that's that's what I decided I wanted to do so I put everything aside and I aimed single-mindedly at at that um and tried to build a career out of that meanwhile the family's still trying to conform me to I guess working in construction and taking over the family business and all the rest of it um and then Around 2013, it's interesting. Oh, like I, by this time, I released some singles, some EPs. I got some decent traction, and I was actually invited to um, join the cast of an Australian TV show called The Shire. <laughs> okay, now The Shire. I don't know if you are you familiar with the show called The Hills at all. Okay, it's basically this is getting this... so good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, you did. Did you go? Did you do it? So the Shire oh, this is, so is essentially the Australian version of the Hills, like a dramality, like a reality show, but they tried to yeah. create drama around people's real lives, so to speak. And at this point in time, I'm thinking, oh, fuck, this is perfect. I want to be a musician. I want to blow up. I've got this album on the way. This is the perfect media that I need, so to speak. So, you know, there was a part of me that wanted to do that. Um, so yeah, I did it. I, I joined the cast and I did this I show for nine episodes. This. I don't rec I don't recommend it, but you know, hey, this is this is my life. This is the journey. I'm not trying to hide any part of it. I definitely don't recommend it. <laughs> it I'm lasted totally nine nine it. episodes, one season, and then it dropped off air. Um, then from from around the same time, I released my first al album in 2014. It was called Phases. Um, and it was about, basically, like you said, about me being a chameleon. There's different phases to me. You know, there's different phases to my life, um, so to speak. And it got some traction. I was able to tour the country. I was on every major radio station in Australia. I had publicity. Um, I was about to do my first major interview, I remember, with a station called Today FM here in Australia. It's probably the biggest station in Australia. And I just bombed. I just absolutely buckled. I got what? on air. And I seriously, I didn't know what to say. This guy tried to just talking shit about the TV show. Yeah, it's all right. I know it was crap. Um, but yeah, it was very, 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 very confronting for me. And it was around the same time my first major relationship ended. And I had a massive, what we can call a dark night of the soul in 2014, 2015. Felt as though everything was crumbling around me. I couldn't sleep. I was extremely anxious, extremely angsty. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. Um, and that's when my first, what I guess you could call awakening or major shift in consciousness took place. It was 2015. Um, 
And again, this is this is this is a, this is a journey. This is a process. The authentic path. It's not linear. It's not a straight line. We bump into many walls along the way. You know. Anyway, in 2015, I was introduced to a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Some people might know it. Um, and again, that was very helpful at the time. In hindsight, to be honest with you, it's not a book I would recommend, but I'll get there at another day. Anyway, so something shifted in me, something profound changed within me. And all of a sudden, I was so in touch with life. It felt I would wake up every single day with this feeling of bliss, which I thought would never, ever, ever fade. The most mundane things, which I would loathe and hate in the past, I got so much joy out of them, whether it was emptying a dishwasher or taking the garbage out. I was just like, what the hell is going on? I'm human. I'm alive. There's just, there's nothing else that matters, um, so to speak. It doesn't matter if my goals aren't being achieved. It doesn't matter about my desires. It doesn't matter about the past. And this is what I would call now, quote unquote, a new age awakening, so to speak. It can be very enticing in, in, in the beginning, but in the long run, it doesn't really have the proper foundation for true awakening potential and true growth in my opinion, because what it does ultimately, it tries to guide you to a place where you drop your personality, where you become a nothing, so to speak. You drop the ego. There is no past. There is no future. All that matters is now. But what is that actually doing to a human being's critical thinking capabilities and capacities? Anyway, I was in this state for a while. Um, it was around this time. I met my wife in 2016 got married, we had a daughter, and then 2020 happened, right, so to speak. And between this period, 2015 and 2020, like I became very acutely, acutely aware of the corruption all around us. It really first started just questioning simple things like fluoride. Like why is there a known neurotoxin in our water supply? Why is the government putting a known neurotoxin, which is psychologically damaging to every human being that touches it in our water supply? I'm like, that doesn't fucking make sense. Um, then from there, it shifted into a jump into a bunch of different things, watched, you know, the typical ones, zeitgeist, etc., and started um, questioning the corruption around me, so to speak. And I was pretty hardcore about it. Like I was trying to point the finger at, at, at everything and try to scream from the top of the hill to everyone about what is going on. Anyway, then 2020 happened, the quote unquote scamdemic and I don't know how open I can be on this podcast about my you thoughts can, and views listen you can be um I've always been the person and I've always been the person who has always said listen this is a space a quote-unquote safe space legit yep. to talk however you want I will never censor you I will never tell anybody they can't say something your truth is your truth the way you feel is the way you feel and I'll bet cool. I can bet the way that you think Based off my listener base, there's probably going to be about eh, 71% to 86% average will love the shit out of you. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. So go for it. You know, my podcast is called Here for the Truth for a Reason. So I'm not going to hold it. It's all me. right. Yeah, listen, I, I, I'll i be honest with you. I've been, um, I got, I've been pretty censored and had a lot of shit happen ever since I started really coming out um, and being, uh, incredibly critical of the Justin Trudeau government, as many people know about his draconian um, tyranny that he has ruled over everyone while he lives in his Eiffel Tower, as fucking ridiculous as that sounds. It is the truth and it is irritating that it's the truth because I feel like in this day and age, I should be able to be like, I'm proud of my prime minister. He's doing something good for anyone. And then I found out today, right before the show, that CBC put on... um, a known convicted terrorist onto one of their shows and like clapped for him and like did a whole heart to heart about him, even though he killed an American medic and blinded, I think it was a special operator or an American soldier and he's been convicted for it. Um, you know, so, you know, I have my feelings. Everyone's pretty aware of my feelings. I feel like you and I feel a lot of the same thing. So please proceed. All right, cool. So, 2020 happened. And prior to 2020, it was very, very, very difficult trying to quote unquote, wake people up, trying to make them aware that perhaps things really aren't as they seem. Perhaps the government really doesn't love you as much as you might think they do or have been programmed to believe so, you know, Um, like even obviously vaccines is a big taboo subject. 
mm-hmm. it was way more of a taboo subject between before before 2020. You couldn't even touch that topic at all. No I one know. would listen to you. Well, you're a parent, so you understand. Yeah. And, and yeah. being a parent myself, you understand what that means and what that looks like. I could not say the word vaccine to yeah. a single person. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Look at us Yeah, now. you couldn't. You could not. The, the, the moment you even it even left your lips to try question it to any degree, you were immediately put in the... In the, in the in the psycho basket you know in the, it's in like the, abortion it's like don't it's like yeah. don't have those conversations like eugenics don't you, there's words that just make people feel uncomfortable <laughs> yeah that's right but that, that that that's exactly right um and then yeah 20 2020 happened and i didn't think it was going to come that hard i didn't think it was going to come that fast i mean particularly here in australia the shit that we went through was next level i know you guys did as well we watched so it gonna... though i mean we no no yeah. seriously though we i feel like there's a part of me that says you guys got it a little worse and the reason being um mm-hmm. smaller i don't know if it's a smaller surface area by by actual mass but i know in terms of the geographic the areas. Yeah, yeah. The populated areas and how spread out they were. They couldn't quite do the same thing they did to you. You guys had your military turned on you. You guys would be put into, I saw video after video after video. I even got teachers reaching out to me in direct message being like, please post this. We can't get it out. We can't post it. We'll lose our jobs. It yeah. was really upsetting to watch. Yeah, it was, well, a friend of mine, Topher Field, has a documentary called Battleground Melbourne. It's basically the fall of the most livable city in the world. It's the most tyrannical. Um, and that that kind of encapsulates really the process. Australia literally became, you know, an, an, an open-air prison, so to speak. We had police officers firing rubber bullets at our own citizens in that Melbourne. That blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so... 2020 happened and I saw it immediately in March. I knew exactly what was going on. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. No holds barred. And by this point in time, people still weren't sure is it real, is it not real, is it intense, is it not intense. Right. But I just I just I just went hard and um I lost lifelong lifelong friends. I went through um a massive process of disintegration all around me. And I think what 2020 really was. It was it's it was an opportunity for people to get fucking real. It was an opportunity to for, for people to relook at their lives and really stand on a precipice and decide: do I do I want authenticity? Do I want real? Or am I willing to accept the inauthentic and accept tyranny and accept a lesser version of myself simply because I need to play the game that the collective around me is all all, all playing? It was almost like shadows were being exposed on a collective level and on an individual level. We were seeing all the lies in the world, but at the same time, it felt like there was opportunity and the the soil was more fertile almost for us to recognize the inauthenticity within ourselves and the lies within ourselves and to really address every area of our lives and of our relationships and be like, what's actually real here? What's actually serving me? And for me, that was a process where I just really took, took, took the bull by the horns um, you know, obviously my music career didn't span out the way that I thought it was. So I was still working in a family business at this point in time, but I was even kicked out of that business um, because I was butting heads with my dad and my brother and because of my views, so to speak. Um, so I was like, all right, what am I going to do now? And, uh, you know, with great freedom comes great, with, comes great responsibility. And that's basically been, been, been the path, you know you recognize that I can't rely on the systems around me. I can't rely on the people, most of the people around me for, for truth, for a clear mirror, um, to, to be properly supported, to be properly, you know what I mean, guided in, 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 in the right direction. I, as an individual, if I truly want freedom, if I truly value this inalienable right that I have to my own life, then I have to take responsibility for that. Absolutely no one can. And everything, you know, as I said, as a child, I've always been incredible, pretty, pretty strong willed, pretty strong spirited. And at this point in time, it was integrity or nothing. So, you know, I started doing my own thing. I started building my own businesses. Um, I started building foundations around me so I could still speak what I wanted to speak without the threat of losing a job, without the threat of being, you know, of, of 
at, well, at that point in time, I was like, if I'm going to lose a friend over speaking my truth, then that's it. It is what it is. So it's almost like real seeds were planted, real authentic seeds were planted in my life. And I've had incredible chance encounters at, um, throughout this process. I met my business partner and co-host Eurasmos um, through watching the Unslaved podcast, which is, in my opinion, is one of the greatest podcasts on the planet, hosted by Michael Dossarian, who's one of the greatest thinkers alive. We recently had him on our podcast, and he's been an incredible mentor to me as well. And Rasmus and I literally met 16, 17 months ago. We recorded our first episode um, in May 2021. Now we're 78 episodes later. We recently had David Icke, Michael Tessarian, like I've mentioned, um, we have this group coaching program and we're just trying to, as much as possible, share our process and remind individuals that they are individuals. Their life is their own. They don't know anyone at all for their life. They have unique gifts, unique purpose, unique reasons to be alive. And that's the greatest conspiracy of all, isn't it? What are we doing here having this conversation, you and I? What am I doing in this as, as a human with this flesh, with this incredible creative and productive ability? How am I going to take advantage of that? Or am I going to accept the dumbed down, mediocre, stagnant version that society, school, and most of the authorities in my life have tried to force me to accept? No, I'm fucking not. That's it. So that's what I'm about. I, that's, there's a lot to unpack and a lot I want to pull apart. Um, it's interesting that you come from a family with the background of Jehovah's Witness. I mean, as a Jehovah's yeah. Witness, because... To hear that they, um, when did you, so when did you really start speaking like this? When did, so a couple, two years ago now? I'll, I'll be, I've been speaking out since 2015. Yeah. Um, but it's been no holds barred since yeah. 2020. It's, it's fascinating to see that they spoke to you this long. That what, sorry? <clears throat> that your family spoke to you this long. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. say that because a very good friend of mine, her family um, are also Jehovah's Witness. And I've learned about, I mean, she is not, but I, I've learned about the culture. So in the understanding of how that works and how very quickly they can just say, we don't talk to you anymore. <laughs> just yeah, it's, like that. Yeah, it's true. To, to, to clarify, even my family themselves, they're not hardcore Jehovah's Witnesses. They mm, started okay. breaking that pattern um, when I was about 13, 14. But okay. the, 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 the foundation and the tenets of that indoctrination, it's, it's, it's very extreme. And it's very difficult for an individual to actually break free from those shackles, especially when that's programmed into you so intensely from such an early age. I mean, th I think most extremely religious people struggle with that paradigm, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, and we can, we can get into that. We can get into my thoughts on that if you want to, but I'll yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I think that's a great spot, a uh, great spot to start. Yeah. Well, I think, um, obviously in my view, the religious institutions, are one of the primary methods of control, domination and manipulation that we have, to be honest with you, um, to keep people trapped in mediocrity, the basic tenant of most judeo-christian islamic religions is that you need to feel guilty simply for the fact that you live simply for the fact that you're alive that you owe someone else for your, your existence you owe someone else for your life you're guilty simply for the fact that you're a man and for the most of us or a woman and for the most of us we just accept this we accept it without proof we accept it so what's that doing to our reason we just believe that we're born as these sinners that has, that's, that's inherently something's wrong with us simply for the fact that we live and we go on living our entire lives trying to atone for this guilt, which we can't even prove to ourselves. And people, people let this fear kill dreams. And it's killed more dreams than anything else in human history, in my opinion. So really what it is, if we want to live our lives properly and navigate our lives correctly, we have to work on developing our reason. We're developing our rationality. But if we accept that we're guilty for simply for the fact that we're alive and we can't prove it by looking at anywhere, then we're abandoning our reason immediately. We're, we're saying that, okay, we are not worthy. I mean, this is the basis of the entire original sin paradigm and the Garden of Eden story. Like what happens, what ha what happens in that story? 
Let's break that down. Let's dissect that a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Eve took the bite, took, took a bite of an apple of the forbidden fruit from this forbidden tree. And God essentially said, you can't live in Eden anymore. You don't have my key. You don't have my protection anymore. So they banished him outside of Eden. So all of a sudden, what happened? Adam and Eve had to be responsible for their own life. Oh, that's a sin, <laughs> is it? The fact that you have to be responsible. Oh, mm. okay. They had to produce for themselves. Oh, that's a problem. All of a sudden, that's punishment, having to have to, have to produce for yourself. They had to be condemned to sexual inclinations. Oh, geez, you know? Mm-hmm. So these virtues, he, what, had, Adam and Eve developed morality. They developed justice. They developed responsibility. These are the virtues of being human, which essentially are being pointed at and saying, that's sin. That's a punishment. So on the, at, the, at the basis of it, how much inclination is there, do you think, for human beings to really take the reign of these virtues of responsibility, of, of freedom of choice, of freedom of will to be able to eat whatever fucking apple they want to eat, so to speak, you know? So we're all living in this, sub, in, in, in this subdued state from the get-go or for most people that have been raised under these ideologies. We don't really know or want true freedom because we've been so conditioned and programmed from the outset to consider it as the reason for our fall, the reason for our demise. We think the virtues which make us human, the virtues by which we're required to live, are somehow some kind of hellish state, so to speak. So I think until we deprogram from that ideology in the first place, it's difficult for people to really take the reins of their own lives as individuals and be like, I am responsible for my life. I value my life and I want to exalt myself. What do you think it is? Is it that people are lazy? Is it that people struggle with um, individual responsibility because they're raised that way? I mean, it's hard when I see people that are born and obviously it happens because those are your parents, but they pick, they pick what you do, what you say, what you love, what you don't love. And that's ingrained into you for no fault of their own. There's plenty of children who are brought into, um, what is that cult that was in? Oh my God. He's still in prison and he's still like running it from there. It's in the United States. Do you know which one I'm speaking of? Jeff. Oh, it was huge. Like the LD I've got to, I'll find it. My point is like, it is one of the most it's really sad. He would take child brides. It was just the culture that was built around it. And these children are brought into this with no fault of their own. And it's yep. a real struggle for me when I see things like that, because I was raised Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. I was baptized. I did the whole thing. I went to Catholic school, did the communion, all of it. There's absolutely nothing wrong in my opinion with somebody choosing what they believe in and giving uh-huh. themselves over to that. But when it's being chosen for them, that's harder for me to, yep. to sit with because that's what was chosen for me. And whether or not that was the right choice or the wrong choice, but there was a lot of guilt around that for me. Like there was a lot, like if I didn't want to go to church, or if I didn't enjoy school when we went to mass, or I didn't, I didn't take pride in, in these things. There was no connection to me. I never felt a connection with it. Mm-hmm. When I became an adult, I, I, I very often say like, um, in a joking matter, like out of no disrespect to my friends and everyone who are Christian and Catholic, but I'm a recovering Catholic, I say, because I've, I had that put on me. And then I became an adult, went through some very dark things and utilized psychedelics to find my way out of that. Mm -hmm. And plant-based healing. And what was really fascinating about that was looking at the correlation with religion and psychedelics and looking at what that is, what is, what is happening with the body when you're going through those things? It's a very, it feels like a very religious experience. It's a very divine experience. And I've almost found my own, I'll say my religion, but my, my faith in something else that isn't yep. someone in that they have told me I should have faith in because of my parents and my grandparents and so on and so forth. I want to understand, I want to understand more why people become so ingrained into a religion and so taken by someone they've read a book about. Yeah. So 
what do you think was the driving motivational force for you to go to mass or to go to church against your will? I was just told to because my parents believed, correction, my mother was Catholic and my dad was not. It was, a, yeah. it was a whole thing anyway. Um, and I think it was, it was, it was her guilt from her mom that was passed on because I very, very, very clearly remember when I said I wasn't baptizing my son, the reaction yeah. was not ideal. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So it feels fear-based. Yeah. So ultimately this is what I boil it down to. It's, what I would call what different philosophers such as Ayn Rand would agree is collectivism. Hey, you, have you checked in with yourself today? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Have you had enough water? This is your midday check-in brought to you by Midday Squares. Big breath in. (sighs) I'm back at it. Now, essentially, collectivism is the idea that the interests of the group take precedent over the interests of the individual. So the group's interests are more important than the individual's. And uh, the interests of the individual are more than happily able to be sacrificed for the interests of the group. And this is what leads us into the topics such as crowd psychology and groupthink, et cetera, et cetera. But it becomes this incredible driving force which motivates people against their will to act against their own interests and it the 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 entanglements are guilt resentment obligation we do it for the greater good right we do it for the family and we do it for our neighbor and this is what we've been programmed to believe our entire life and what this actually does is it creates a diminished sense of our own self of our own individuality we think it's it's normal to be to, to 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 relinquish our desires to relinquish our will, to become a subdued version of ourselves because we've been programmed to believe that what's moral is what we do for someone else. And anything that we do for ourselves is what? Selfish. Mm. Here's the thing. Okay. It seems like, <clears throat> it seems like from an outside perspective, just yeah. based on the world and the way the world has been, mm. um, it feels like as religion has declined, Society has started to decline as well in terms, the struggle is real. It it does feel, I mean, look at the fifties. We went through the four, the thirties, the forties, the fifties, we went through a very tumultuous, painful time in humanity. And somehow there was this understanding that it was going to be okay because, and I think religion was so much stronger than the way that America and Canada looked at the world and how they were raising their children in the type of environment, but religion being at the, the forefront of it, they held it together differently. As that has declined over time and people have started to think for themselves or look at the world differently or start to experiment in another way, they've stepped away from a religion and things seem to fall into decline. Okay. I, would, I can I would dis- see how like stressed out that makes you. <laughs> Your body language is hilarious. I would, this, this is where I come from. America is the only nation in the history of our world that's built on the foundation of individual rights. Right. The only nation. And that's why America thrived. That's why more innovation, more technological advancement. That's why America was the greatest country. For a, for a period of time that ever possibly existed. That's why we ever, everyone wanted to go there because individual rights were protected. Um, and You're saying was a lot. Yeah, you don't was. think it is? I mean, you don't think it is any longer? No, there's been a huge erosion. I, I, I don't know if it is or is not. That's subjective. But there's been a huge erosion, erosion of individual rights. There's been right. a huge attack on the individual rights. Um, as the foundation and as the as the foundation of liberty within that country there's absolutely no doubt about that and to me that's 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 an intentional plan by the so-called quote-unquote collectivists who ultimately are at the root of every single tyranny or not i can't say every single tyranny but the majority of death and destruction that's taken place on our planet is due to the ideology of collectivism 
socialism is a form of collectivism fascism is a form of collectivism communism is a form a form of collectivism all these ideologies uphold the group's interest above the individual and what's happened is that millions have been killed because they've followed a quote unquote greater good but the thing is there's no real group interest all groups at the end of the day are made up of individuals individual minds so what's really happening is that simply it's the individuals within that group who exert the most influence, whose interests are actually being followed, whether it's a Hitler, whether it's a Stalin, whether it's a Lenin, whether it's a Trudeau, right? Whatever, 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 whatever it might be. So to me, um, the decline that we see within American society from what it once was, um, I wouldn't point at the decline of religion as the reason I would point to the, 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 the rise of collectivism, mm. the meaning that because as collectivism rises, responsibility declines. We, we begin to feel as though the group needs to support us. We think that each person um, should be fed according to their need, not according to their ability, that daddy government or some kind of, you mean, authoritarian body is responsible for us so we've been lulled and subdued to give up responsibility to no longer put our life in our own hands to no longer value ourselves to no longer value productivity now all of a sudden you know we value the exact opposite we we, we value who who needs the most who can whinge the loudest who can who can kick and scream the most look at what's going on all around us um so that would be that would be my two cents on that i guess yeah no i just find it fascinating to mm. see what's happening um being mm. over in north america with the decline of religion in schools and the decline of religion in american schools a lot of people want to point to that um it's yep. easier to point to the thing that's closest right um that's the easiest yeah it's 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 it's, it's definitely easiest and uh, you know the thing is if it's not if it's not religion then what is it the problem is that the individuals are still looking for something they're still looking for an authority outside of themselves mm-hmm. to answer for their existence as opposed to you know really waking up to the reality that you're a fucking individual with this one life and this one right to your own life um and what are you going to do about that you're responsible for every single aspect and facet of your life no one else. So stop sitting on your hands. And what really, what com- community and religion, religion, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I don't want to boo-boo the whole thing. It has many, many beautiful aspects to it. But all forms and institutions and groups, they only thrive when the relationships and engagement within them are done voluntarily. They're not mm-hmm. performed out of, we're not we're not forced to engage out of guilt or out of obligation or out of resentment, right? Because we feel as though we're going to be judged or shunned or, or outcasted from the group if we don't engage in such a way. But it's only the individual who has redeemed himself, who's claimed responsibility, who's claimed authority, who's filled his own cup. It's only that person that can actually be of service to anyone, right? But we've right. been programmed to constantly... We've been programmed to believe that altruism is the highest ideal, you know, this idea that we have to constantly give, 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 and that our moral self-worth is purely in what we can provide to another, not that we can provide to ourselves. And so we, 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 we view ourselves as individuals that aren't worthy of receiving, that aren't worthy of building a life that truly reflects their dreams, that truly reflects their inner realities, so to speak. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> the uh, the individual, the individual responsibility that the world is is going to do it all for them. It's been taken away. the The individual can't yeah. can't rely on you know themselves any longer. How could they if they did rely on themselves? Well, then they wouldn't be able to feed themselves anymore because inflation is so high. So we must need assistance from the government. We must need assistance from so-and-so. We must be able to, to, you know, to get people to do it for us. That's a real, that's a real struggle for me hearing people starting to like relax into that feeling of, I would rather just stay at home and not work. 
and receive a paycheck. When you take people's work away, very often you take their purpose away. And when you take their purpose away, so many other things start to slide off. Mental health becomes a real, real problem real quick. In COVID, during COVID, during whatever, I, you know what's really, God, tangent. You know when you look, you try to think about pre-COVID, do you ever just kind of stop for a second and go, what was even before it? Yeah. Because it's yeah. so drastically different. It's monumental. It's 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 monumental. We don't we often don't take the time to really address it like you are now. Um, to me, it feels like a dream, honestly. A fugue state, if you will. Yeah. I just I feel foggy when I think about it. I I try to go back and I think, you know, like nine eleven and all of those times and all those big events in my life and other people's lives. I go. Yeah, but like COVID though, right? Like I I go right back to it. I revert back to it because it was so, and continues to be for some, uh, so damn traumatic in a way that we're not addressing. And the mental health aspect of it is something I'd like to discuss with you. People's mental state in this current climate is the most fragile I think it's ever been by like, like a long shot, um, pharmaceutical medications being prescribed at a rate that is just astronomical. Um, most people are on antidepressants. I think if you ask like every one, every 10, you're probably going to get somebody who's like, yeah, I've been on one at some point or, you know, I'm on one currently. And I wonder, I know this is, I'm, I'm kind of teeing you up here, but, uh, I wonder if, if this, this mental health crisis was, was just one way to, to access people by just getting them to do whatever the hell you want them to do because they're hurting so bad. I mean, that definitely plays a huge part in it. Um, But we were primed for this a long time before 2020 one video which I really implore many people to watch is Yuri Bezmanov's testimony with G. Edward Griffin. Yuri Bezmanov is a former KGB agent. And basically he talks about in the 80s, the intentional um, subversion of American culture, ideological subversion, the four stages of it. And it started in the education system. We We were primed to become more and more and more and more reliance on organizations outside of us be it big pharma be it be it the government be it the schooling system to take responsibility for our lives so then something like this could come along and we we would be forced to to bend the knee so to speak because we've given up that power through generations has that power been given up intentionally to china or has that just been a default that's happened um, I'm, I'm, I'm not the expert on, on, on geopolitics by any means whatsoever. The way that I see it is that, you know, um, the power has been given up to globalism, um, mm. as a whole. Interesting. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a really sad thing to watch, to watch people fall into decline the way that they do over this when it is you're on the other side of it. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, there's been an equal effect on the opposite side. There's never mm-hmm. been more distrust of big pharma. There's never been more distrust of allopathy. There's never been more distrust of mainstream media, of Hollywood, of government. More and more people have woken up since 2020 than ever before to, 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 the, to the true nature of, of, of government and really what goes on in our society. And many people have staked their flag in the ground and they've said, no more, I'm not interested. I'm tapping out. Society's going the way that way society's going. I'm not on that train anymore. I'm getting off that train. I'm, I'm going to build a life that's reflective of my values, not of your values. And there's people around me that are doing that too, who are building themselves up. And actually we can engage, like I mentioned, on a voluntary basis. We can create something on the most fundamental 
ground roots level. People are returning to the most local level. I don't know if you're seeing it around you as well, but people yeah, are, people are, yeah, people are, people are rejecting the globalist trajectory of the system because they don't align with their values anymore. And they're saying, all right, you're not, you're not giving me any choice. I'm going to create my own thing. And, you know, that's what's happened to me. And I think there's an entire, there's a, there's a timeline reality split taking place on some level. You know, those who are refusing to really see what's going on, they've just accepted the inauthentic nature of the way most of mainstream reality is going. And there's others who are like, no, I'm going to live life based on my values. And there's an opportunity to create something new, which never was there before, before 2020. I'm, I'm so happy to see that. I do see it here. Um, I do see it in Canada. I'm in yeah. the States quite a bit. And I see it when I'm in, when I'm in States, uh, certain States, at least uh, some States just feel like they're still status quo, except they're just getting, they're falling into like this weird, like dystopian. I, I went to LA recently for um, a podcast and, uh, oh, I hadn't <laughs> been there in two years, mate. <laughs> oh, wow. That was a trip. Um, that was new. That was different, uh, for yeah. sure. And I'm more uncomfortable than I wished it was. But then I went to other places where it was, I've never seen it more pro freedom. I've never seen it more pro conversation. And, you know, but you see that certain States like that, you see them slide into a, uh, a more religious freedom based style. Um, yeah. and that's, and that's been different. It feels like there's never been more division. But yet the division is, I mean, there may have been division, but the division that is now currently in place is so drastic. Like it's so separated. I've never seen it. Like when I speak to an individual who is yeah. very far right versus very far left, it is, the contrast is, 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 is like, it's, it's so, yeah. it's more than polarizing. I'm trying to think of a word because it's so drastic. I, I yeah. just didn't know that it could be the that opposite. Yeah. What is I mean, what is that like for it, you in Australia too, though? <coughs> yeah, um, Australia is interesting. I, I, I'd like to give you a little bit of a brief um, view of yeah. how intense it did get here. I mean, just speaking from from myself personally, um, I've currently got three charges laid out against me. Um, one for attending a protest during the height during the height of it. Mm -hmm. um, Forty different individuals called a Crime Stoppers to report my presence at this at this at this protest. The second <laughs> fine was because there was a curfew in Australia at times, and the curfew was that you could be only be outside if you were exercising. But me and my family chose to go have a little picnic and cut some cucumbers and cut some carrots and seven police officers approached us and charged us with sitting on the ground, eating cucumbers. <laughs> Did you film that? There's footage. There's, yeah. I've definitely got footage. It's, it's oh, filmed. Oh my gosh. But this is, this, this is, this, this is, this is what we went through, so to speak. Um, and, you know, the talk about polarization on on one on one side, people loved it. People were imploring the, the the police and the government authorities to to be more tyrannical, and to you know to really highlight the fact that you know the people that were rejecting it were the cause and the reason for the rise and the cases and the death of their grandmas and and all and all the rest of it. Um, to answer your to answer your question, like. I've been I've been out of the mainstream world for so long. It's difficult for me to see. I live in a in a very small bubble on the south coast of Australia in my little corner on a on a on a, on a beach. I do my thing. I talk to incredible people like you. Um, I have my have my community. I literally only engage with people who are on the same page as me. Um, everyone else doesn't want to borrow me. So I don't know. All I know is what I know. <laughs> That's, I mean, on one side, I'm so happy that you found that peace in that. And the other side, I'm like, I mean, I see the appeal, but I also want to, I, I also enjoy having conversations with people that are the complete opposite of me. Hmm. I find I learn a lot, not only about myself, but about human beings. And yeah. it makes me, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me. It's really fascinating when somebody just feels the complete opposite about me. I'm uh, like, they believe nothing I believe. And it is 
always an interesting conversation, but we are always able to walk away and say, cool. Maybe it's the people I'm talking to because yeah, I, I can also I tell you. Yeah, <laughs> there's some crazy. I can't find them anywhere in my world. They don't want to. They don't want to borrow me. So I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, I'll I'll, I'll get you some because uh, right. it's always good to have both perspectives. I'm not saying they're right. I'm not, but I do think having that that influencer, that person in your life, allows you not to slip so much into necessarily one-sided beliefs because I always think you should be empathetic to others, but I also envy the hell out of the way that you're living your life in terms of that, because it does sound like you're living it truly for your family and for self. And that is a beautiful thing to see somebody be able to dive that deep into themselves. And that's kind of what I found interesting about rise above the herd and what you're doing with that. So can you bring me into that program, how that started and why it's really kind of taking off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Eurasmus and I, we've been on the truth-seeking journey, I mean, combined for 30 years. We, we have, we have, we've walked different paths, but we both walked what I would consider authentic paths. We never really relinquished what really matters to us. Our entire mission for our own lives has, to been, has been to create lives where you know we can we can feel and achieve success, but without relinquishing integrity or truth or our values or the things that really matter. I mean, this has been a lifelong journey for me. If you think about you know how programmed I was in the different ways to work in the family business and religion and all the rest of it, um, and more than ever, people are realizing that, like I said, they can't rely on the systems around them. You know if they really want to be in the world and not relinquish their values, not relinquish their truth, and then they have to develop the, the capacity within themselves and the fortitude and the courage, and most importantly, the self-esteem necessary to live their lives that way and to create their lives that way. So rise above the herd is just, it's a manifestation of our own process of the, 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 the key the key knowledge that really helped us on our paths. Um, so there's, there's the, we, we, the first part of the program is really deconditioning and deprogramming people from these ideologies, which are keeping them stuck in stagnancy and mediocrity. Some of them I've mentioned like collectivism, like altruism, these things which really just drive people to make decisions out of guilt, out of obligation, out of resentment out of just following the herd, so to speak. So we really highlight what's at the nature of that so they can decondition, they can decondition from it. And then at the crux of the course is this whole concept of self-esteem, which I think is the most important and most ignored psychological issue of our time. Self-esteem is ultimately, it's the relationship that you have with yourself. It's the reputation that you acquire with yourself. And the quality of that reputation is going to determine the quality of every single choice and decision that you make in your life. And ultimately, the sum of those choices is what we can call your destiny. So without really addressing self-esteem, um, I think it's hard for anyone to live life on their terms, so to speak. Our entire mission with the Rise Above the Herd is to reawaken the hero within the, within that individual because I feel like that's something that we've really lost touch with as well is the the hero, the heroic aspect of our lives, this heroic journey that we're all on. Um, you know, this, this process that we're going through, the trials, the tribulations, the reclamation, the coming back with the gifts. We're all here for a unique reason. We're all unique individuals beyond anything else. If I have any message, it's that. It's that there's no one like you. There's no one like you that's ever existed in your life ever before. And deep within you, there's a seat of consciousness that knows this and remembers this. And that seat of consciousness holds your potential. And that potential essentially, in my opinion, is unlimited. And for me, if we're not living our lives to really tap into that potential and bring it out into physical reality and manifest it as reality within our lives so we can see that we're capable, we can see that we're competent, we can see that we're here for a reason, then, I mean, I don't know, my, my view is that, you know, it's a little bit of waste um, taking place there. So rise above the herd is more than anything, exalting yourself as an individual, 
to be free from the shackles of stagnancy and live life on your terms. You know, you don't have to report to anyone, but at the end of the day, you need to take responsibility. When you're looking at the program, I, I went through everything and um, yeah. you really dive into everything. You, you go from one end of the spectrum to the next. You, like, just wanted to list off some of the, um, some of the topics and things you go into so that people could sure. understand a little more. And so, you know, some of the keys to self, um, self-transformation or self-sacrifice versus self-love, shadow work, spiritual and somatic bypass, true self-esteem, collectivism versus individualism, which is what we spoke about, the values and goals, poverty. See, that's an interesting one for me. I was shocked yeah. to see that one on that list and self-sabotage um, capitalism. And you, and you just list through them. And I wonder poverty, where that came from and what that, how that kind poverty. of. Yeah. So poverty consciousness is what it is, what, is what it says there. Yeah. And basically so poverty consciousness the is this. Yeah. We, most people have an incredibly tumultuous and flawed relationship with money. You know, um, we've been programmed as well to see money as, as evil. If we acquire money, we, we feel guilty simply for having it, right? So we really address what's at the root of money. And to me, this is a very triggering statement, but money, in my opinion, is the roots of all good. Oh, you might have got some people there. <laughs> Let me let, let, let me explain it a little bit. Go for so it. ultimately, you have this life, right? You want to you want to live life according to your values. You value your life. Okay. In all of nature, every single organism, whether it's a plant, whether it's an animal, the automatic functions of that organism are inclined towards the survival of that organism plants will naturally dig their roots deeper into the ground to find more fertile soil naturally turn towards the sun animals won't think twice about eating about their own survival yeah bears Money. eat their children <laughs> just fun fact they'll just straight be like i eat you now what <laughs> it's maddening to me Money is, is the means that we have by which to survive. Simply put, if you don't value money, you don't value your life. That's, that's just a straight up fact. I love when people say money doesn't buy you happiness. And I say, no, it doesn't buy me happiness because it gives me the freedom to be happy. Yeah, that's you know, exactly it's a, right. It's a different thing. It's not, it's not about this capitalist, this, this capitalist be, behavior of like this money grubbing. I mean, for God's sake, I donate a lot of money. Everyone knows that. So who am I kidding? But the point is, is like money is, I should probably care more about it. Um, money is the root of the, it gives you the life you want, the ability to be around your family and the people that you're supposed to want to spend all of your time with and your life to live, to live, you know, everyone's like dream big, do these big things. Well, Honey, sometimes that takes money. It takes money to do things. That's just the reality. It's, it's units of choice. It's yes. what you're requiring, a units of choice. And most people don't realize that. And we've been programmed again and conditioned by these various collectives, by religious institutions to keep us at arm's length that money, to have a flawed relationship with money because they don't want it in our hands, you know, at the, at the, end, at the end of the day. Why do you think there's been such an attack on capitalism? Most people have no idea what true capitalism is, right? It's, yeah, it's been, um, especially over COVID, to watch the, yeah. it's like the single-handedly most business have been wiped out and I don't even know how long. It has been aggressive and it has been, in, I don't want to say intentional, but it's been painful to watch. Others make yeah. choices, say you can't work any longer because we say so. Who the hell has that right? Because this is, let me tell you what's at the basis of individual rights. What's at the basis of individual rights is the right to property, okay? Without the rights of property, according to Ayn Rand, and I agree, no other rights are possible. Think about a hunter-gatherer situation, okay? If the hunter goes and picks his food, whether it's foraged fruit, whether it's meat, whether it's a kill, whether, whether it's whatever it is, and someone else comes along via force and takes that, takes that food, okay? He no longer has the right to his own property. His property is the means by which he can live. If someone's telling you that you can't work, 
that is an attack on your livelihood. That's an, that isn't a straight up attack on your inalienable right to life, which the right to property protects. Um, so that's just beyond outrageous. And I don't know how more and more people aren't outraged at, at that simple attack. It was really irritating uh, in March of 2020 when the call came down in Canada. They said we were not allowed to run our businesses, um, that Health Canada would come and it would be this whole thing and you'd be fined. And it wasn't like, oh, you'll just be in trouble. You'd be fine like half a million dollars. You'd be put in prison. You, I mean, for protecting your ability to feed your family and house yourself. But like the World Economic Forum states, hey, by 2030, you will own nothing yeah. and you will be happy. Right? What? Absolutely. But how is that and, not on like the front page of all things? Yeah. Exactly. And but this this, this is why I'm trying to scream from the rooftops that what's what is that statement saying? It's that mm. they're telling you who they are. They're telling you it's the collectivists. Yeah, this is this is the precursor. Yeah, exactly. But they're, but they're, they're making known who they are. It is, it, it, is, it is the collectivists, the people that don't want you to, to produce. They don't mm. want you to value your own life. They want you to be so cozy, comfortable, and content, so to speak, so that you don't even think twice about taking responsibility mm. for what really matters to you. And that's when we're in the perfect position to be, to, to, to be destroyed. It's really interesting because I've had people on this show that do a version of what you do, but you do it so differently. For example, <coughs> my apologies. Um, for example, you look at getting people to see and, and wake up in a very calm, accepting way where you just slowly peel the onion and they're like, oh, and then you're like, yeah. And then you're like, oh, and they're like, yeah, just wait. And it just keeps going. And then I've had other individuals on the show that are like Ray Cash Care who are Navy SEALs who run people through programs and break them physically and yeah. mentally, but get them to look at individual responsibility and the wanting to be a better person, the wanting to be responsible. And it's just, it's so fascinating to hear your take on how to get individuals to wake up. And it's so simple and it's so it's so easy to have conversations about, I mean, for God, for like the last hour, we talked about so many of these different topics that you go over with rise above the herd. And I think it's so fantastic because at no point did, I mean, not that I would ever be offended. Let's be honest with ourselves. Everyone knows that, but like, <laughs> but like at no point was there like something that was offensive or you're trying to be cruel or hateful. You're putting out positive thought into the world in a different way, in a critical thinking way, in a way that is not left or right, but just a human experience and how to make it better and open and, and so that you can really thrive. And I, I want to say, I really appreciate that. Um, the, the, the take that you have and the way that you approach it is refreshing and really uh, makes me optimistic for the future of people. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate that. You know, I think, um, like you said, in terms of the different methods and ways that people have about going about waking people up, you know, often it's what worked for us, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I need a bit of a mix, a little shit kick and a little like soft conversation. And I think that's yeah, what yeah, this yeah. show gives me. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> no, nah, it's a dude. It's fantastic. I'm, I've so enjoyed our conversation. And like I said to you before we started even recording, I, I can't wait to have on, you on again. I would love to sit down and go over like every hour of just, you know, one of these topics and break it down because what you're doing, like I said, is, is um, transforming lives and it's getting people to understand that they can do this. They are strong enough. They have the abilities within themselves. They have to be willing to, to get a little uncomfortable to move forward. But isn't that, isn't that the whole key to growth, right? You have to learn to be live uncomfortable. You have to learn to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that's, and I think that's what you bring. And I'm so looking forward to having you on again. It's been an absolute pleasure, Kelsey. I look forward to being on again. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. You know, on honestly, obviously, you've taken the bull by the horns as, as well. You've dived deeper into authenticity, into integrity, and you're producing, you're creating something which is of extreme value, not only to yourself, but also, you know, to the people that are, that are listening to you. Um, so I'd like to honor you as well. Thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah. That's the goal, right? Isn't it just try to be better than uh, 1% better than yesterday, right? Just try not to suck, put some effort into your life and just, you know, just, just do more so that when your parents look at you, they go, God, that was worth it. Just make it worth it. Right. Um, and try to be a positive light. Can you do me a favor and tell everyone where they can find rise above the herd, where they can find there for the truth podcast, which I got to tell you, I really recommend it. I, I just listened to the eugenics conversation. It blew my mind. Um, there was an abduction one I, I couldn't get into as a parent. That always hurts me when I have, well, it's just, I, I have friends who work in that space. Um, and I've had conversations like Alana Stott on the show. And um, I always find those conversations sit real heavy for a little minute. And uh, I'm going to Peru soon. So I need to keep the positive light. Um, but your show is not only informative, um, it's digestible, it's understandable. And I think it's, it's, uh, going to continue to grow and reach so many people. So can you tell where everyone can find you please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the podcast is at hereforthetruth.com. All our episodes are available there. And if you'd like to join our program, we've actually just announced new dates for September and you can discover all you need to know at riseabovetheherd.com.au. Perfect. Also, I'm, I'm on Instagram at Joel Rafiti. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Your Instagram's Joel, legit. Joel Rafiti everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. It's legit. And you've got Joel Rafiti on, on um, Spotify. Your music's good. I would go check it out. Um, but yeah, your Instagram's uh, legit. It is, it's a great follow. It's uh, sometimes I get on there and it just gives me exactly what it needs to give me. And you know, when you're like scrolling, you're having a day or you're doing something and it just, it pops and it clicks. And I'm telling you, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, it's been a great follow. So thanks for that. Um, everyone else just stick with me, Joel. We will see you all next week.